everybody. Welcome to, oh, wow, I really paused there. It's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Welcome to How to Be Me Again, the podcast where we figure out how to take care of ourselves because we don't know how. And we're back. We took a little bit of a break. I had a solo episode last week, a little mini episode, um, just to gu- give you guys something to listen to. And, uh, but Maddie's back. Yay. I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had, you know, it's funny, like we've talked about the fact that it's, we're very good to have like, um, accountability to one another. Cause we both are like, oh, I don't really feel like podcasting, mm-hmm. but I must admit, I was kind of like excited to come back and like chat today. Yeah. So uh, we do have good chats. So, and I've got some stuff to talk about. <laughs> Excellent. I've got some emotional stuff to talk about. Excellent. So. <laughs> okay, so tell me, because last week I did the little mini episode about my little emotional wrap-up kind of thing, just some final thoughts um, that, you know, I kind of, I was surprised that I went through emotional stuff, but it wasn't really the revelation that I was expecting it to be. Like I discovered different things. I think the main tangent that I take away from it is the intellectualizing my emotions, which is what you had kind of tapped into, I think, on our very first emotional episode Mm. that we did. And I I kept coming back to that where that is the thing I fall into all the time. I just I just overthink my emotions constantly and I need to just feel them. So that's kind of where I left it on the Mm. mini episode. But what have you kind of been dealing with? your emotions goodness me I realized (laughs) even like last night so I think I'd mentioned in a previous episode that in talking to my counselor about my emotional response and my anxiety Mm -hmm. that um she'd encouraged me to when I was feeling anxious anxiety come up to kind of like pause for a second and think where did this come from okay and it was interesting because last night I had this really random panic attack but it was like very different to a panic attack I've had in the in the past I was lying in bed and you know it was end of a big weekend we did some travel and stuff this weekend and um it was a pretty chill day yesterday we actually had a lovely like went out for a walk and decided on a whim like let's go have a drink and ended up having drinks and nibbles and dessert and nice oh that's so fun (laughs) it was like it felt very much like those um like ideal day kind of feeling yeah. for me, like the stuff I want to do. Yeah. And anyway, got home, I was lying in bed and I was like surfing on my phone, looking at a playground that I want to buy my kids. <laughs> like <laughs> random. Yeah. But I had this like internal panic state come on. Oh. And I, I like, I was feeling sick and I was like having like indigestion and all this like, and I said to Rory, I, I think I've mentioned on this episode before that I, sometimes have this thing where voices in my head start speeding up and it gets frantic and I'm like panicked by hearing the voices. Oh yeah. I feel like someone's going to come and take me away. Yeah. <laughs> as I say this, <laughs> this sounds like, you know, do like, you do what the voices tell you to do. Yeah, no, no, I'm very afraid of them. Um, but it, it's just even like my internal monologue speeds up and I like yeah. can't get a cold of it. Anyway, that happened very out of the blue. And I finally like paused and I was like, what was I just thinking about? Like, what is stressing me here? And the thing was the stuff that I'd been feeling is never something that I would have anticipated creating that kind of like response because I was feeling a little bit overwhelmed at this playground I was looking at because you had to choose options. And so I had this perfectionism thing come up where I was like, 
Um, oh my gosh, yeah. there's so many options. I have to choose the right ones. And oh gosh, that's so much more I've got to research. And there was another component to it, which is escaping me now. But I was like, that's really, oh, I think maybe just like the uncertainty of like, because it was looking at a playground that we might buy if we move, which is like something that's come up as we might be moving. Yeah. And yeah, it was just like, I think uncertainty and the perfectionism thing kind of like mixed together and made this yeah. like panicky moment. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Wow. And it only lasted a short while because I kind of said to my husband, I was like, I'm I'm having that feeling that I've described before. And like he came and like rubbed my back and I could calm down maybe within say like five or 10 minutes. But yeah. it was very interesting to observe. And I think the biggest thing was just to kind of look at the emotions that I expect that panicky state to come from. Yeah. So so small, so much smaller than I've experienced in the past. So I don't know what to take from that. <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting being able to take that minute though and pay attention to it and be like, okay, what's happening? Which might have also helped you get out of it a little bit faster too, where you're like, yeah. oh, this is because of this and this and being able yeah. to pinpoint it and see what it is. But I also yeah. think like when you're able to see it in those little moments, I think that that you can see that on a larger scale, you're applying those same those same fears and those same anxieties to life on a larger scale. So even though you were just making a decision about something small, that was just a hypothetical thing that you weren't even purchasing at the time. I think that if you take that and you apply it, the feelings you had about that and you apply it to life where you are, you know, facing like a major life change of potential major life change of moving and all these other things that are going on. It's like, you can extrapolate that to bigger things in your life. So if you understand it on a small scale, I think you can mm. then begin to understand it on the larger scale as well, which would I help agree. you. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, I think like, especially the, the perfectionism thing is something that I've known for a long time that I have perfectionist tendencies to the point where like, you know, back in the day, like it used to be one of those things you want to highlight on your resume right (laughs) yeah I'm a perfectionist you're gonna want to hire me because I'm like really good at attention to detail turns out it's like not so great yeah (laughs) isn't that so funny now that you just mentioned that like isn't that funny how certain things that used to be really good qualities and I mean it still is a good quality I think to pay attention to detail but anything like if you have too much of anything it's not a good Mm. thing right it's like everything in moderation but there, Absolutely. that is like perfectionism has taken on that negative spin, I, I think. Well, and you end up applying it to so much more than, well, and it's interesting because even what I was about to say is like you apply it to so much more than say your job or your however you earn money, like in my case, my business. Mm-hmm. But even that has become crippling in when I bring too much perfection because it like yeah. halts my progress. Yeah. But then to, oh, so I don't know if I mentioned this in the last episode uh, that I was on. But the other big emotional thing that's been coming up for me is this concept of being good enough. Oh. Yeah. And I can't remember who said it to me. It might have been my counsellor as well. But it was about like what if all I was striving for was just to be like good enough in every area, a good enough mum, a good enough wife, a good enough woman. My nutrition is good enough. Yeah. Yeah. To the point where like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, I want to write a book that's called like good enough. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like that needs to be out in the world. It probably is in different forms, but it's been very interesting because just even hearing that for me, 
emotionally I, I, I had instant anxiety because I'm like, but where are the goalposts? Like I need, yeah. and it's like that perfectionist thing, right? It's like, yeah. okay, I'll be good enough, but tell me exactly what good exactly. enough looks like. Yeah. <laughs> how do I be the perfect good enough? Exactly, <laughs> you know, like, right? How do I hit that mark? Yeah. But I think that I wonder if that in my mind, like I, is that just a personality trait that we have is that a thing of being a woman in the like growing up looking to outward guidance or looking to society to tell us which mark we need to hit or just generally everybody male female whatever also faces all of those those like um those markers in life where it's like okay you've hit this point okay now I'm striving for this and you have to society sets out these rules that we have to achieve certain things and we have to do it a certain way in order to be successful in life or you know it's even that thing you know how people always say it's like oh find your passion in life and make that your job like Mm. if you're passionate you'll never work a day in your life and all that crap that I mean is great and fine but for me it's like I was never happy doing just the jobs that I had but I also didn't understand how to pursue my passion and Mm make it feel like I'm not working because that's not true. If you need to make money in any way, you are working, like you have to work yes. for it. You have to do things that you might not want to do, even if it, yeah. you are passionate about it. And now yeah. I've gone down this whole other tangent that no, I can't but Do you remember. know what I think this really, really <laughs> perfectly like attaches to, right? Because mm-hmm. when you were saying that, I was like, you know what? I think this pursuit of like, where's the goalpost? Like, tell me exactly what it looks like to be good enough or tell me exactly what it looks like to get a tick against whatever measure it is, is intellectualizing. Because the thing I realized through the good enough pursuit is good enough is is like tapping into my heart space or or into my gut to be like, oh, does this feel like I'm doing good enough? Like almost to like also to bring compassion um yeah myself because the truth is to decide yes I'm good enough is to remove judgment or to like go I'm done judging myself on this thing I've done enough of that and that really requires me to get out of my head to stop intellect intellectualizing whatever it is so like let's absolutely my like mothering because that's that's a minefield (laughs) absolute minefield (laughs) um but you know because I especially through COVID I might have mentioned this in previous episodes is that I felt this real pressure to not only be a mother, but to be my child's best friend because yeah. she didn't have any other kids that she was seeing. Yeah. I had to be her teacher because she's got no other sources of education. I mean, she did. Um, this is me totally like universalizing <laughs> all of it. But I ended up having to occupy so many roles yeah. that, and I was getting so overwhelmed and so burnt out that then I was starting to resent it. And then I was like snapping more and doing yeah. more surfing and more retreating to try and get like, you know, I was just going to say, that's my whole yeah. thing. Even when you were talking about decision-making for like buying something, like buying that playground thing, like I just the other day bought, um, finally bought some artwork to put up on our walls. I mean, we've lived in this place for like a year and I've have these empty frames that I haven't done anything with. We're a year now. Yeah. Just over Where's a year. Where's the time gone? It's crazy. I know wow. it's insane. Um, and so I, I was starting to do that where I was starting to perfectionize and getting anxious about, Oh, but is this the right decision? And Oh, 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 Oh. And then I was like, screw it. I just like, was like, just do it. 
you've like, you've done the research, just do it, just buy it and do it. But I realized that I have this like tendency to, I, I over intellectualize and I get like perfectionist about it all. Yeah. And then I hit my breaking point and then I just like throw everything out the window and I'm like, screw it. I'm just going to do it. And like, I throw caution to the wind completely. Like I completely yes. almost shut down. I just so, rebel. It's just yeah, like, and I rebel. Yeah. And it's like kind of for you where you like got burnt out, but all the stuff and you're like, I can't live yeah. up to all of these like expectations I've set for myself. Yeah. So I'm just going to like retreat and, and run away from it in a way. Yep. And I think yep. that that's kind of, it's like, it's the all or nothing. Like I either over intellectualize or we like perfectionize everything Mm. or we just want to run away completely and I think well and you get so hypercritical too because that's the oh, thing yeah. I realize is that I'm judging everything so harshly mm-hmm. there's so much good happening that I have either glossed over or the hypercritical lens I've applied to it has found the the tiny minute little flaw in whatever it was that draws my entire focus like yeah it's just oh it's exhausting it's exhausting. and that's where like I think the practice of like moving and this is something that I've had people tell me like who are like psychics or into really woo stuff is that I'm cut Mm. off at the neck. Like I'm just like Mm. all in my head and tapping down, like getting into my body is really challenging for me. So the good enough concept has been like interesting for me to observe, to go, yeah, but if I really just sat here and like felt what I feel about whatever it is I'm judging, like, yeah. do I really feel like I suck at that? Or do I really feel like I'm hopeless or useless or whatever critical thing I've said about myself? So I do, do I really feel like that? Um, yeah. yeah. And especially like with the, like the parenting stuff, like to go, do I really think my kid is so disappointed in me? <laughs> like, or like, yeah, you know, I, I think she's look, like, is she, she looks pretty happy. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's, yeah. Yeah. The criticalness. Oh, it's, it's just crazy. overwhelming. And it becomes yeah. almost like a vacuum where we really only see ourselves in yeah. that light the whole time. Yes. It's interesting because um, a good friend of mine, she was going through therapy years and years ago, and she's she's dealt a lot with social anxiety issues and that type of thing. And something that she learned in therapy has stuck with me all of these years because it totally, it's such a simple concept, but it really shifted the way that I like presented myself, especially out in public, because I have always been kind of anxious, you know, a bit of social anxiety, just anxiety in general and hypercritical of myself and all that kind of stuff. Um, But it was that you have to realize that everybody is in their own spotlight. And when you're Mm -hmm. in a spotlight, you can't see the audience, like you can't see the people out there. You're only focused on yourself. And if you're, if every single person is in their own spotlight because they are focusing on themselves, nobody's watching you. Nobody's paying attention to what you're doing. Nobody cares because you're not in their spotlight. Like you're in your own kind of thing. Yeah. So when you're feeling anxious about all that stuff, then you let it go because you're the only one who's paying attention to it because everybody has their own spotlight. And so Wait like now. to to kind of like connect that to what we were just talking about it's like that spotlight can be good and helpful in some ways but it's also like if that spotlight's getting like hypercritical where we're yes. only focused on certain things it can be very detrimental too yeah. you know it just it totally made me think of that just now if we're just so into our own heads and our own um way of thinking about things yeah 
it can be so hard to get out of that and to get our emotions out of that and our heads out of that, you know? Yes. And to think too, like, I feel like the analogy goes so far because the spotlight is so bright, like a spot. Like if you think about, I did theater for a little while, like being in the spotlight, the spotlight's really far away from the stage. Like it's a powerful like nothing to hide light that is shone on you. Yeah. Which when you're shining it on yourself, no wonder all the little blemishes and everything turn up because it's exactly. like so bright. Of course right? you're seeing it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. interestingly, something else you, that came up as you were saying that. So another like emotional thing that's been happening for me, um, again, I might've mentioned this in the last time I was on, was uh, the conflict uh, dealing with like com- like conflict. Oh coming yeah, up. yeah. I think we did talk about that. Yeah, yeah. And the particular person I was having conflict with, I had more conflict with, and um, it ended up basically being like, we're not gonna have a relationship moving forward. <laughs> yeah. But and this sounds super like I'm sure I didn't behave perfectly by any stretch of the imagination. But what I really noticed was this person wanting to blame me and mm. put like almost shine the spotlight I think this is something else that must happen with spotlights Ah, right yeah is I think when your spotlight um is too hard to observe like when Mm -hmm. you're challenged by realizing things about yourself you'll like turn it on other people and like that's the whole projecting you start projecting on other people and just you saying that made me think like yeah isn't it interesting I feel like that analogy goes so far to be like yeah it's way too bright when you're looking at just yourself you also realize that everyone else has got their own spotlight and sometimes they're going to try and shine their spotlight on you to like deflect the things that are and you're going to yeah so that they can hide yeah Yeah, exactly exactly. yeah um yeah you're going to deflect your spotlight on other people when it's like too uncomfortable to be in your own spotlight yeah so and it's almost like I feel like the practice is to like let's let's put the dimmer on like let's dim that spotlight like we just exactly. don't need to be so hypercritical just like, like put the house lights on or something yeah, for a little bit <laughs> you know it. let's all that's just sit it. around in the light in normal light <laughs> yeah exactly well and it's also yeah. because I think the analogy of the spotlight also is to suggest that you're like the performer and isn't it the case yeah that performers are there to make everyone else happy ah right? yeah that's it's like, true it's yep. the performance is so external mm-hmm. like I feel like yeah. I could take this forever. Like, let's write a book. <laughs> yeah. About- oh, you're, like, we're going to count how many books you're going to write. Yes, yeah, we've got a lot of books. We're all take- we're taking them on the boat with us. That we're all going to yeah. book club on the, on the tall ship. Um, and they're going to be audio books because let's face it, we just want to talk. We don't want to write. No kidding. No kidding. Gosh, I actually have thought. I I I think I've told you a while back. I wanted. To, I, I I have a book in me. I don't know what mm-hmm. it is yet, but I have a yeah. book in me. I feel like the good enough thing really sparked something for me yeah. recently. I was like, hmm, that feels like something I could really dig my yeah. like teeth into. Um, but I really reckon the biggest challenge for me to writing a book is going to sit down and have to type. Yeah. I think I would do really well to just, just dictate, dictate it. it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, just um, quickly to get back to the, um, the good enough thing. It's yes. something that for me, something that has also always resonated with me is when people, and I'm sure it's like a meme or something that's floating around. Like it's a pretty common expression now, Mm. but something that I've always really loved is that you don't have to be perfect. You just have to do better than you did yesterday. You know, like you just do better than you did before. And that to me is something I tell myself when I'm having those moments of like, what's the point? I can't, you know, like I'm trying to be healthy. I'm trying to do all these things. Like I've, I'm not working full time right now. I mean, I'm trying to run, start my own business and all that kind of stuff, but mm. 
like theoretically, I don't, I, everything I do right now is self-imposed. Yes. And so I'm totally in control of it, but I feel so um, like beholden to all of these things that I've created in a way where I'm like, I have to kind of tell myself like, it's okay. You're still doing like, you're doing great. Like you just did this thing, which like yesterday or last week, you weren't doing that. And now you're mm-hmm. doing it and you're, and it's easier. And it's, you know, like yeah. all these kinds of things, just to be a little bit more lenient with ourselves. Like, it's okay. You don't have to be perfect. You, nobody's going to be perfect. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Like, like we wouldn't hold anybody else in our lives to those same standards that we hold ourselves to. No, but interestingly, I feel like other people have held me to higher standards, like unattainable standard. But again, Mm. that's the deflection piece. That's Uh, like the yeah, like like, have they really held you you to those standards? But it's also like I think if you if you really looked at it, do you think that they actually are holding you to very specific high standards, or do uh, you think that that's you? Like they're kind of like making you accountable for things, but you're taking on more of the. No, like, the, it, it definitely is like, I'm thinking specifically of like the relationship I have with my sister, for instance, is like, okay. I will never meet her expectations because right. they're completely unreasonable and unattainable. <laughs> right. um, but again, it's kind of like, I can see her shining it on me as a way of not shining it on herself. Right. right. Um but I hear what you're saying because that's another mm-hmm. type of person is like the people who actually care about helping you, who are who are trying to hold space for you, might tell you uncomfortable things about yourself mm-hmm. and then that can be hard to hear. Um, that's what I still feel. Helpful. Yeah, like I think for me, my, I think I'm more on the, the side of um, where people, not even that they're pointing out things that are hard for me to hear, but just like they're just behaving however they want to behave or like they're trying to be nice to me or trying to be helpful or whatever it is and I take it on as so much extra pressure on myself of like well now they're expecting all this stuff from me and now it's this and I get so easily overwhelmed by this like outside like pressure that most of it is in my own head that I've created that pressure myself because when it really comes down to it People are like, oh, no, I just mentioned that just if if you wanted to or whatever. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yeah. I've been stressing out about it for like a week. And like I had to, you know, think of all these things. And if it, you know, my boundaries and all this kind of stuff. And it's like it didn't have yeah. to be that big of a deal. But it, I know, you know, it's so interesting. This is a really in- great segue, actually, as well, into another emotional thing that I wanted to bring up <laughs> that's co- that's come up since I was last on the podcast. Um I'm very like you in this respect. And I think it's because Mm. you and I are very empathetic people. We have Mm -hmm. a high empathy threshold. Yeah. And we care deeply about how other people um, experience us, I suppose, is the best way to put it. I don't want to say like us because I think it's more than that. I think it's like it's, it's not just that we want to be liked. It's that especially I think you and I really love to play hostess. We really like to create experiences. I know like we were just talking about your travel that you've booked. Like I think you would care a lot about the people you're bringing on the travel with you to have like this. Wow. Yeah. I like creating those experiences for people. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. exactly. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, I have people in my life who are very low on the empathetic scale like just Mm -hmm. just and I don't think this is choice I actually think it's like that nurture nature you know I think it's a nature thing where they just kind of yeah or maybe it's one of the that maybe they were just born not being very empathetic or they were kind of taught not to be empathetic I don't know right one of those people is my dad who is like 
and I think I might have mentioned this before as well, is he he's just always been very intrinsically motivated. Mm. Like what what he cares about is his biggest motivator in yeah. how he how he operates day to day. Um he's very unhappy, <laughs> but but it's like he also cares very little about anyone else's expectations of him, which yeah. is so opposite to me. Oh yeah, um, wouldn't that be lovely to not care at all? <laughs> about I don't what know. Other people... <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe, but I mean, like I, I mean, said, I he... could handle like experiencing it for a day or two. That would be cool, right? Well, and like to give an example, so we traveled back to Australia from Canada um two years ago and we stayed with him for I think about a week and a half like in two different portions and if I had someone coming to stay with me I would have like and this happened because I had family come and stay with me like three years ago in Canada and I'm like exhaustively uh researching different activities and I'm like curating them based on the personalities of the people who are coming so like I had two different trips with two different sets of itineraries like I'm I'm, I put that level of detail and attention into, again, creating those experiences. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've traveled to Australia, haven't seen my family in years. I've got a new baby daughter. I go and stay with my dad for like 10 days. And he like still has normal life things booked. Like he's meeting with a contractor that doesn't need to happen when I'm there, but if he <laughs> yeah. just didn't not book it <laughs> yeah. or We'd be sitting in the lounge room and then all of a sudden dad disappears for hours because he's decided to go have a nap, but he didn't tell anyone. And so we're like, <laughs> are we doing something? Like but he's just so intrinsically motivated. Like it's yeah. just no care for how it impacts others. Yeah. And I find that very, very challenging because for me as someone who really cares about that stuff, I take that action as a direct slight against me. Oh, yeah. In, I'm in the, the same moment. way. Yeah. 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 I don't actually think it is. I think it's who he is. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't make it okay either. Like I think there's right. a balance between that, right? Um, but so this is where like the emotional stuff came up recently because I found out that my dad has been quite low emotionally and we haven't oh. been talking for a while. Yeah. And the suggestion was made to reach out and like check up on him. Okay. And the thing is I, I've really battled with this because for like months now I've been like not talking to him. I haven't heard from him since my daughter was born. And so I've like been like, do I try to continue pursuing a relationship or not? Like, is it safe and healthy for me to right. do so? Yeah. And I'd gotten to this place where I was like, you know what? No, I think it's it's actually better for my mental health to just let things lie as they are. Yeah. And then this call comes to be like, oh, you should reach out to dad. We think he's low. And um I I had to kind of like sit with it and figure out like because again the other part of me is like I'm a bit of a rescuer like right a, a lot of my first relationships were with people who like I wanted to fix right or I had components that I wanted to fix and I like to rescue people so my first thing is I'm like oh, I want to pick up the phone and ring straight away. Like, yeah. I'm going to. Like, don't gonna... worry, guys. I'll be the one to to rescue yes. him. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Also, I think maybe being the eldest sister, there's something about like leading the family, like taking care yeah. of everyone. Like that was very much a role I occupied. Um, well, probably part of that whole perfectionism type thing too, oh, right? Of like, well, I, don't worry, I'll I'll do it 
I'll do yes. it properly and I'll do it the best way. And you can count on me guys. That's <laughs> right. It. And very yeah. significance driven, right? Like there's right. something yeah. I'm seeking from people to be like, pat me on the back. Like, Oh, you care so much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Meanwhile, that barely ever happens in my family. So I'm also like <laughs> trying to catch myself now and be like, is this worth my emotional upheaval? Yeah. Because I don't get the response back that I imagine that I will. And, and I also thought to myself, I've had a pretty challenging 18 months as most of the world has, but like I've had, I've had chronic health issues. I've had a baby, like I've had all postpartum, like I've had all these things that have impacted on my mental health, but no one in my family is ringing around going, Oh, I really think we need to check on Maddie. Yeah. And so I kind of, I also see this dynamic happen where it's like certain people are deemed to be worth reaching out to or like right what's the word even like they're the people we need to watch like they're not resilient enough or or there's some there's some there's some invisible conversation that's happening like in in the between all the words yeah it's like we we have to take care of dad because he doesn't have the emotional intelligence to do it or yeah he you know something whereas that never ever happens to me even if I was to like say to everyone yo it could also be it could also be I think because it's that understanding that he would never he wouldn't reach out and he would go for ages without reaching out to anybody and nobody would know what had happened to him type thing but I think maybe with you they know that you will reach out and that you Mm. will like even though you've gone through periods of cutting your family out and that type of thing, mm. I think, I think it's you know especially with families, it's like we train each other of like how to treat us and how we're yes. going to treat other people. Like it's so ingrained in us from these patterns for so yeah. long, where I think they know your dad would never ask for anything or never reach out. Like, and he could probably happily, maybe happily is the wrong word, but like he could very easily, yeah just like sink into this like deep dark depression hole Mm. without anybody ever knowing it because he's just he's doing his own thing anyway right well and to your point too about like we teach people how to treat us I think Mm. there's also a pattern in our family where it's like we'll just tell Maddie that there's a problem and she'll sort it out a hundred percent absolutely and because they've done that to you on other occasions with all kinds of other stuff yeah decades and so yeah and it's like keep me at arm's length mm-hmm. when at for certain things but then when there's a crisis it's like yeah yeah you can be a part of it now yeah and but so that's, that's also where, to... where you get some of your significance from right like how we oh, just 100%. talked about where you're like okay cool this is my chance the my time to shine right like yeah. I'm gonna step in and this is my role and I'll happily accept it you know that's it and yeah. it's also like and so that's where I'm trying to like reteach people how to treat me yeah is one thing but also I'm having to like check with myself and go okay I know this might feel like I'm gonna get gain some significance and it might like feel good I'm doing air quotes like I'm yeah oh this will feel good but I know from experience if I really look at it that it hasn't felt good and yeah. so I have to retrain myself to go this is this is a, a trick like it's yeah. not it's not gonna feel good you're going to probably get far more upset through the experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and it like, it's also to suggest like the rescuing thing also has this real arrogance about it. It's because it's like, as if for me to say like, 
I'll fix you. Like, come yeah. to me. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah. I, you know, through my coaching stuff, it's like to let go and say, ultimately, if dad doesn't want to help himself, me swooping in to help him doesn't help him either. Exactly. You know, like, yeah, you have to buy into that process. Yeah. And he has to want daughter it, right? is probably yeah. not the right person to do that with. Like, yeah, you probably need to talk to a professional or a friend or someone your age, or there yeah. needs to be a certain like uh, dynamic in that relationship to make yeah. it work, work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's just all of those components. So that was a really Im- interesting emotional yeah. journey to go on. Well, and it's always, um, I find with family stuff, the emotions come out so much easier stronger. than anywhere. <laughs> like the triggers are just right there right? <laughs> at all times. And I couldn't right? get over that. Like for me having yeah. felt so set in my decision to be like, you know what? I'm happy with me and my dad and I's relationship is to literally less than a week later get yeah. this message to be like reach out to dad and I'm like yeah I'm on the phone not to dad I was kind of like doing the yeah figuring out what I want to do I although I do have to say I was proud of myself that I probably within a 24-hour period came back to you know what I'm happy with where I'm at but that also raised another thing is making these decisions to teach like teach people how to treat you differently also means getting comfortable with not knowing Right. Yes. Yeah. That's a hard one for me. Again, as like a perfectionist, I don't do well with uncertainty to not do something and realize I'm not going to know what happens with that. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to know the goss, you know, that we've got a gossip culture. Like I don't, I'm not going to know what's happening there. You're not in that loop anymore. Yeah. And to teach myself like, and that's going to make me happier. Like I'm the not knowing whilst it feels uncomfortable now because it's uncertainty. I need to look at the evidence and remember that actually creates more happiness in my life. Yeah. So yeah, that ultimately it's going to be better for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that was a, yeah. Jeez. It's family stuff. I tell you, I had actually earlier this week, a bit of an emotional, like now that we're talking about family stuff and being triggered, which I haven't had in, in ages. I mean, I get triggered by my family every once in a while, but generally like we get along really well and it's, you know, it's good. Yeah. Um, but we were planning to go to Mexico for Christmas this year. Woohoo! Yeah. We can finally travel again. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. We're like super excited. Um, but we weren't sure if we were going to do it because of COVID and what if someone got mm. sick and just the uncertainty around the whole thing. And, yeah. um, so a couple of weeks ago, I had talked to my mom and she was like, oh, yeah, I talked to like, um, like to my brother and sister-in-law and my other sister, whatever, like all this stuff. They it's like they had had a conversation without me uh-huh. and they had decided like, oh, maybe we'll leave it because with all the extra COVID testing we have to do, it's going to be quite expensive for people who have more members in their family. Like, right. you know, for Greg and I, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's, you know, a bit of extra money, but, you know, my brother and sister both have kids and mm. it adds up pretty fast right so um so once they said that I was like okay I was kind of disappointed went through the emotions of like oh that's a bummer I'm kind of disappointed but I understand and maybe Greg and I can still just plan our own vacation we'll just go by ourselves or whatever mm. um so I'd kind of gone through that that emotional thing and it was fine and then <laughs> this last week I was on the uh, the phone with my mom and my sister-in-law called. So we did like a three-way call and all of a sudden she was like, okay, so I found this um, place to book in Mexico. I was like, wait, what, what's happening? And turns out they had all just talked again without me again. 
and decided that, oh yeah, we are all okay with it and it's going to happen and we're going to like go and do all this stuff. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. But like, it just irritated me that I wasn't included in it, which is something Mm. that is a trigger for me in my family generally that I wasn't included in stuff because I was much younger than my brother and sister. And I just wasn't really considered. I felt like I wasn't considered. I'm sure I was considered, but Mm -hmm. it's a trigger for me. And then my sister-in-law made this offhand comment, like kind of a joke of like, oh, too bad because we're trying to figure out, you know, in all-inclusive resorts of like, you can only have um, two adults per room and my sister's kids because they're teenagers count as adults. So we're like shuffling people around to make sure we've got enough people for each room. And my sister-in-law made a comment of like, oh, Kristen, like, um, yeah, too bad you weren't like still on your own in a way, like not, not in, not in any slight against Greg, but like, because they would always just put me in whatever like room with people when I was on my own, but it triggered me so much. Because you've like like become inconvenient by like being happy. (laughs) Well, it's more like, like I had no control over it at all. Like Uh. we always went to places that my family members chose. We always went at the time that they chose because they all have Mm. kids and I don't have kids. Mm. So they have to go on school holidays and we like, I've always just gone along and done what everybody wanted. And it triggered me so much because I was like, screw you guys. I actually don't want to do your stupid trip and your stupid whatever. I'm like, no, we're having our own room. Like I'm putting my foot to like, these are the things that I'm putting my foot down about. But I felt like after that phone call, it was like, I felt so emotional and so mm-hmm. I was on the phone with my mom and she could tell that I was getting like, emo- I was getting like emotional about stuff. And um, the old me would have like, I think, tried to explain a lot more to her mm-hmm. and try to describe like, well, this is why I feel like this. And maybe if we did this, like try to come up with a solution for how I'm feeling or, you know, whatever, like yes. turn it into a thing, not necessarily a dramatic thing, but just like, you know put it on to some somebody else in a way Mm, but I actually stopped myself where I told her I was like I just kind of got off the phone call and I was like no I just I'm I just don't want to talk about it right now and I'm just gonna go do my thing I've got stuff I need to do so I'm gonna go on with my day because I don't want to get derailed and like go down this whole other rabbit hole Mm. of whatever but I realize now that I'm like, oh, it was actually such a good thing because I went and I felt my feelings like I had kind of a down day. Like it just yeah. really like threw me for a loop. I had a bit of a down day, but I still like went on with my day and got some of my stuff done like and whatever. And it was nice to just feel the things I needed to feel without mm. talking about it to people and without yeah. trying to explain it to myself. Like I really didn't think about it all that much until I'm talking about it now yeah you know? interesting. and that was a really that was very not like me because normally I'm like trying to explain it or trying to think about it or trying to like you know yeah explain tell people like well this is how I'm feeling intellectualizing it whereas you were yeah. really just like feeling it yeah yeah like I just gotta go forward. feel it and feel it by myself and not yeah. have anybody else around there yeah yeah that's also awesome. good yeah it's interesting to you say that because my natural tendency especially I've, I noticed with Rory I've got a real codependence that I've like mm. it's definitely lessened in the last five six seven years but mm-hmm. 
I I like spent most of my adult life very codependent on other people. Yeah. But I do notice like with my emotions, I feel far safer or more comfortable being able to tell Rory how I'm feeling about Mm -hmm. something than Mm -hmm. to sit with my emotions and feel it. Like even last night with that panic attack to kind of be like telling him help lessen it straight away. Right. Uh, as opposed to like just sitting with it and being like, can't like talk myself through it. Yeah. Which is like, I don't, I read some stuff on codependence where it's not like a, an entirely bad thing. Like there's, yeah. there's like different, like there's toxic and there's non-toxic kind of thing. Right. Um, but it's like hearing you say that, I feel like that's something I would be aspiring to do myself. It's like right. being able to, in certain situations, just be like, go and feel the feels and do my thing and yeah yeah not have to tell anyone about it kind of thing I think something for me and something that I talked about in my solo episode was a bit about feeling um always feeling like I had to explain myself like growing Mm. up as a highly sensitive person around my nobody else in my family that I would see on a regular basis I maybe I've got aunts and uncles and cousins that are HSP I don't know Mm. but nobody in my immediate family was sensitive and so all I felt growing up was that I had to always explain Mm. and almost justify my emotions at all times to everybody because nobody understood where they were coming from and so I think that's where my like a lot of my over intellectualizing my emotions came from where I had to be like okay well why is this happening and why am I sad and why am I crying and blah 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 all that stuff and also going with that is the judgment that I shouldn't be feeling that way if I have to explain it and it's not clear to anybody else then obviously like it's not the consensus so I probably shouldn't be feeling this way and also because no one says why are you feeling happy like no one questions the positive emotions yeah but everyone questions and it's interesting you say that because just this week even I was having a conversation with my mum who I think I've mentioned before she's the person who kind of she doesn't really believe in depression she kind of she's got okay attitude and so like why would we ever be sad kind of thing yeah oh you cut out a little bit there you might just need to oh I, I just said like kind of having that attitude of like there's no reason to feel sad because there's always something to feel grateful for right oh yeah and yeah she kind of made a comment I can't remember the circumstance now but she made a comment um very offhandedly it's just so part of who she is that she kind of um almost gaslights probably herself but like a lot of Mm. situations where it's just like brushes off the negative emotion yeah or to just say oh but you've got so much to be thankful for and it's that same kind of thing of like every negative emotion is not allowed and if you're having it I'm going to question you as to why and then I'm going to tell you how silly you are for feeling like that because you have so much to be grateful for. Yeah. And I think it kind of comes back really nicely to what you were saying with that Buddhist stuff earlier, where you can feel immensely grateful for Mm -hmm. your life and feel very sad in a moment Yeah, and hold those two emotions. And that they're both valid emotions. Like they're both real. You can feel them both at the same time. Yeah. They don't counter each other out. Like it's, yeah, not, it doesn't have to be one connected. or the other. Yeah, yeah, like it doesn't have to be. I know I I have such a distinct memory of sitting in the hallway at my junior high school. So I was probably like, I don't know, 13 or 14 or something. And I ha- had this all the time when I was younger. But this one 
moment really stands out for me. I think maybe because it was the first time that I kind of stood up for myself with an authority figure. Mm. But the assistant principal of the school walked past me and I was sitting there kind of by myself, just sitting. I wasn't in a bad mood. I wasn't in a particularly good mood, but like nothing was going on. I wasn't, there weren't other people around me. I was waiting. So I wasn't going to sit there with like a big grin on my face, like an idiot when Mm. I'm just sitting there, right? Like I'm just waiting. And he walked by and was like, oh, why aren't you smiling? Like, you know, you'd look so much better if you smiled kind of thing. And I just turned and I looked at him and I'm like, but what, like, there's nothing, I'm not upset, but like, there's nothing to smile about right now. Like, I'm not just going to sit here smiling for no reason. And I kind of made the point of like, well, if I'm allowed to have happy emotions, then why am I not allowed to have unhappy emotions? Like you can't have, you can't just just like, or just neutral. Like, Like, why do I, why would I sit there by myself in that moment and have a smile on my face? I don't understand. It just did not make sense to me. And the fact that he went so far out of his way to make me feel bad then like, oh, you look better when you're smiling. Like, why would you also can I just say it would never have been said to a boy like would it would never just... have been said to a boy ever oh. no, no. Yeah. and it's just that thing of like why why isn't it okay to have all of the emotions like I don't feel like I'm really truly allowed to be super super happy if I've never really understood how, like, what it feels like to be super, super sad or super, like, mm. angry or all of the different yeah. things, like, how do you even know? And isn't it interesting, too, like, because he must have felt like, I, I, I read from that, that he's not comfortable with his own emotions. So it's like, mm. I'm going to force the people around me to create the emotion I want. So oh, I want to be happy. So everyone else around me must smile. Yeah. Like it's, it's kind of like, yeah, proje- I feel like that's projecting again. Yeah. 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 Like it made him uneasy that I wasn't sitting yes. there clearly being happy. Cause then it maybe it made him think, Oh, should I say something or make mm. her feel better? Or do I, does he need to do some work now because I'm not happy and he's an authority figure in the school and he should be yeah. stepping in if I'm struggling with something or whatever. I don't know. But there's a difference between like, cause I was just thinking, yes, it is just the case. Negative emotions are the the flags that we kind of say, oh, okay, that's a signal for me to go and ask if something's wrong or to like right. inquire further. We don't do that with happy. Like it's very seldom yeah. that we would go, you're so happy. Why is that? Like that's yeah. not as common. It does yeah. happen, but not as common. Unfortunately, negative feelings are the signals, but yeah. there's asking, are you okay? Or how are you feeling or whatever it is. Yeah. And then they're saying you should smile. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. You would look better if you smiled. Yeah. Like, fuck you, buddy. Exactly. <laughs> Back it up. I yeah. just think it's, it's such a, like, it's such a human um, uh, thing. Like it's such a psychological thing that we mm. are put at ease by certain things. It's the same, yeah. you know, phenomenon of like why Ted Bundy was such a big deal as like a serial killer, because he was good looking and mm. he was, quote unquote normal looking and a regular Mm. guy and was very charming like he wasn't a typical ugly monster bad guy like he wasn't a guy that you would avoid that you'd cross the street and be like he's creeping me out you know Mm. so people didn't know what to do with that and it freaked them out that they were like oh somebody who's charming and nice and handsome 
is also murdering a bunch of people. Like, what yeah. do we do? We don't understand how to do that. And I think it's the same thing with emotions where it's like, okay, cool. You're happy. Great. Like, that's not a warning sign for me. But it's yeah. when you look at people who are depressed and end up committing suicide. Yeah. So many people say the day or a couple of days before they're usually in a pretty good mood and people think that they're actually getting better. Yes. But really it's just, they're not because they've just decided that that's, that it's the end. So they're almost that's relieved. It. Right. So yeah, they say it's the people who like say nothing. Like yeah. you wouldn't even, like I had a, um, one of my know. best friends from high school uh, take her life three years ago oh my and gosh. it was such a shock. I mean, I hadn't really been in contact with her for years before that, but I always just thought like she was one of those people that if I saw today, it would be like no time would pass. Like we were just yeah. such good friends Yeah. and I'm really close with her parents and I, I've maintained a relationship with them since her passing, but it was such a shock and it was like hearing things like she had booked to have lunch with her friend group um in the days after her she'd taken her life like she it's her life looked in all like it's not like she'd gone into like silence she still had plans like it's just one day she woke up and she like I think she'd obviously been feeling very unwell for a long time yeah internally um but yeah just made that decision one day you know and it was actually really it was an interesting I think about it a lot because she was pregnant with a second baby and I had a really oh low pregnancy with like my last baby. Yeah. And I find I, I'd always love to have a conversation all about like suicide one day because mm-hmm. it was so interesting to me, the judgment that comes around suicide. I never say committed suicide because that's mm-hmm. very like placing judgment on the person and placing blame. And yeah, the truth is, um, I, I just feel deep sadness and compassion for where those people had to be emotionally mm-hmm. to get to a place to decide this world would be better without me. Yeah. Like that. That that's, that's the only option. Yeah. Like yeah. that speaks to such a dark world that yeah. they were living in, like a dark internal world. But I know? think that even with all of that darkness that it's like we know how we're supposed to portray emotions to other people. Yeah. So it's not that difficult to fool people, actually. I mean, this last year, I've been more depressed than I think I've ever been in my life. And for the first time in my life, I was suicidal this last year. Yeah. And I, like, when I would get upset around Greg specifically, And if I would really break down in front of him, he would be, he actually would be shocked because he's like, I didn't realize it was that bad. He's like, and he would always say, he's like, you're so good at hiding it. And I'm like, well, my Mm -hmm. entire life has been like, I'm good at hiding my emotions. I'm good at, at portraying what I know I'm supposed to portray because people make it pretty damn clear how you're supposed to act and what emotions you're supposed to have. So much so that they will stop you in the hallway and tell you you should be smiling when you're not. Like, who does that? Why would you come up and tell somebody that they should be portraying something that they're not? You know, but I think that it's just like that is how we are raised. And it's definitely how I was raised by society, not just my family, but by everybody. I know what's expected of me. 
And well, so it I is know, like, a stretch for me to like get through, skate through and show people what they want to see just to make my life easier. So they don't yes. question me or, you know, whatever. Right. Like, yeah, I know we've got uh, in Australia, the the largest or the fastest growing um, group of, or like demographic of people who are taking their own lives are like men in a certain age bracket and a lot of them live in like mining communities where it's like okay. very hyper masculine, toxic mm-hmm. masculinity, and kind of to the same point there. It's like this, like you know, men are. And I don't feel like men need a lot of help. <laughs> like I, I'm not often advocating on their side, but I also am really conscious of like young boys and stuff. And it's like, and also men are fathers to daughters, and yeah. they they're showing that they are not allowed to show all their emotions and they have to be, yeah. they have to be not even happy. I feel like men who are like overly happy are not accepted. You I have feel to like be men neutral. are just not allowed to have any emotion one way or Except the other. Anger. Yeah. Anger is the only, the only thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, if you show anything else, like in Australia, we have a really terrible toxic masculine culture. And so like you're instantly viewed as like a pussy or like oh, a wimp yeah. or, or gay, like it's still like a real stigma against homosexuality. Yeah. And and it's just so harmful. And it's like causing mm-hmm. all of this suicide again because men and boys are taught to hold in so much of their emotions well, and they're taught it. Not to talk about it. Yeah. It's but not acceptable. <laughs> master actors. Like they yeah. get so comfortable hiding their emotions and it's so normal that it's so much harder to see right absolutely yeah I think that that's like yeah and I I actually do think that's maybe one of the only um ways that I do think that men are a bit more um have it a little bit harder or maybe the same equal of difficulty that we do with emotional stuff because they're really not allowed. It is not acceptable for them to even cry no. or get upset about something or talk about their emotions or anything like that. Like it has been so ingrained in them for yeah. so long that, I mean, I'm really happy to see the stuff that's coming out, you know, over the last couple of years with, yeah. with all of the, you know, teach the boys, teach the boys how to be acting or, you yes. know, that it's okay for these for them to stand up for things they believe in for all this kind of stuff like I think that focus has been really positive because I agree I can't imagine I mean I know how difficult it is for me but I'm fairly um like because I'm a woman I'm quote unquote allowed to show my emotions I'm still labeled for it and I'm still like well, I dealt kind of with my own struggle, but I'm expected. Yeah. yeah. It's not so you're concerning expecting. when I cry. They're just like, oh, you yes. weak little woman. Okay, you're fine. still judged, but you, you're yeah. expected to have them, whereas yeah. men are expected to have none. Yeah. And are judged for having any. Yeah. So yeah, it's yeah. I, I I hear you on that. And it's interesting. So I've been watching um Australia's got a new season of The Bachelorette. Okay. And they for the it's the first time in the whole world that there is a bachelorette who is bisexual and they've got oh. men and women on no the way. show Whoa. and it's so cool and she's an indigenous woman so she's also been like really highlighting her indigenous heritage and like they did a welcome to country at the beginning like it was just the whole wow. season is like breaking barriers left right and center yeah. 
not to mention even I was saying to a friend on the weekend that even the women who have, and I don't, this is probably very like stereotyping people, but because the women who have come on are either bisexual or lesbian, mm-hmm. they're not like, like they have a little bit of a tummy. Like they're not fully fat uh, or anything they're not like, like that. Barbie but dolls they're, not, they're not models. Like they mm-hmm. kind of look like real women. And I really yeah. appreciated it. But what I was going to say is there's this one guy that's on the show who's a tradie or a tradesperson. Is tradie a common thing here? No. Like he's a carpenter. <laughs> okay. So he's a tradie. And um, I like so it. You guys make everything sound so cute. He's yeah. a tradie. <laughs> Everything's Aww. a nickname. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he turned up and he like made a love seat with her when he like turned up and met her and it was like okay. this cute moment. Yeah. And he dressed up in his full like high-vis gear and everything. But I loved He's got like blonded hair, which is kind of typical, but he's painted his nails almost every single day. They oh. went on this like spa day together and painted each other's nails. Ah. He's very like, and he's not bisexual. He's, he's straight. Yeah. He wants to date her, but he's like super he's like in very touch in with touch. who he is. Yeah. And he's talked about it a little bit. That's like the I'm, dream. Like, right? Right? <laughs> I know. Like, hello. <laughs> Me and the girls are definitely working on Rory to paint his nails. He's done it a nice. few times. Um, but I really have light. Like, he paints his nails to go with his outfits and stuff. Like, he is <laughs> like, awesome. just, but he looks so, like, ochre, like, tradey, yeah. Australian bloke. Like, very like he, manly man. Yeah. Yeah. But I like that he is even re- like changing the conversation around what makes a blokey bloke in Australia yeah. just by turning up on television and having painted nails and it's nothing. Yeah. Like it's just so yeah. nothing, you know? Yeah. And I, I think about it too in terms of like I know um, Will Smith's son, I can't, I'm forgetting his name, Jaden, he yeah. like wore a skirt on a campaign yeah. and mm-hmm. there's been like lots of men wearing skirts in campaigns yeah. now. And I just, I love that that is like, we just have such arbitrary binary separations. Mm-hmm. I, and I also think like the non-binary, like people, more people coming out as non-binary, more people challenging gender and like being fluid and yeah. all of that stuff helps straight white men have more emotions. Like it gives yeah. more permission to be more to be diverse. you need to be. You don't have yeah. to, you can be a manly man yeah. without like but you can also be other things at the same time you know and yet they're probably the most um what's the word that they they feel the most protective of like keeping the binary and like Mm -hmm. not challenging it and feeling threatened Mm -hmm. that's what I was looking for is like I feel like they're the most threatened even though if they looked at it it's probably going to help them almost more than even the people coming out (laughs) because yeah you are given more permission to just be yourself. Like that's what everyone's yeah. campaigning for. Yeah. So anyway, but I, I think like such an amazing <laughs> tangent. I'm so happy about it. <laughs> but I think just very quickly, something about that, like the reason why it's threatening for them is because it is that thing of if it's the same thing, like if you have every option in the world, then the onus is on you to figure your shit out and yeah. be able to express it. But if you don't, yeah if you don't have the even the option to do that then it becomes really easy to run away from it right and never have to face those difficult things and the difficult questions and you know then you're going to be questioned on well why aren't you crying right now because it's okay for men to cry like but are you not emotional about it you know and then you have to answer all those questions instead of just being able to you know go go along with the status quo and 
skate through life like you've been doing you know well and also I think I know at least in Australia there's such a straight line drawn between emotions and being homosexual and so Mm. straight men feel instantly like to be they they've made a correlation there where to be emotional questions your sexuality and it's like they are so separate (laughs) like here's sexuality (laughs) and here is emotions they are not part of the same thing like yeah yeah it's 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 just an education but I also think having people like this Conrad is his name Mm. on the bachelor bachelorette helps it gives an example because that's the thing too is like when you're Mm -hmm. saying like when when you were just talking about the threatened feeling I think that's also because they didn't have an example no that of they didn't people have role who were in models. touch. Yeah. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. So having people like him gives more people permission and it's just like a you know yeah. it's a domino effect. So yeah, I just feel it really makes, grateful. I know, I think that's so great. It makes mm. me think of there's this guy on TikTok and he's I think he's grade one teacher or yeah, he teaches young kids. Um it's not Mr. Chaz, is it? I don't know. I can't oh. remember his name, but he yeah. paints his nails. And I'm pretty sure that he's gay. Yeah. Um, and he's a little bit flamboyant, but nothing, you know, like, yeah, like just looking at him, you, it's not like he wears like a rainbow flag to, to school. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he's dressed normally, but the one thing that he always does is he paints his nails. Mm-hmm. And so he does these great, like, you know, he talks about different things on it, but he's always got his painted nails. And, um, he said, you know, some people question him on like, why is that necessary? Like, why do you need to be painting your nails? You know, you're a role model at school and all this kind of stuff. And he's like, that's exactly why I'm doing it because he had a six-year-old boy come into his class and with painted nails and all the other kids treated it like it was no big deal. And he said, that was why he does it because he has normalized it because the person in authority it's no big deal. And so these kids yeah. now are used to seeing it and it's not something that's different for them. Yes. So it's not unusual. The boys and the girls can paint their nails and it's not a big deal. There and he said, go. that's the thing. Like, not that it should be applauded and people like freaking out about it, but that nobody yeah. even noticed it and nobody commented on it. That's the goal is that yeah. everybody can or just, just be what like, do. the same thing women do to each other all the time. It's like, oh my gosh, I love the color of your nails. Exactly. Like, that's all the attention we're looking for. Exactly. <laughs> it's not to be like, oh my gosh yeah amazing yeah yeah, yeah. so oh that that just kind of totally made me think of what you're talking about now I'm like yes yeah. that's what the world needs in general for everybody of every gender or non-gender or whatever like yeah. in every just walk no of rules. life just no rules and for yeah. people to like show that that's okay to not have rules and to not have exactly. those things right yeah and for us like to bring it back to what we started talking about is for us to not impose those rules on ourselves yeah you know like you've had a not- question like where does this rule come from like why have I decided yeah. I can or can't do this yeah. thing yeah I was talking to um, my friend Victoria on the weekend about clothing and I have these like we were talking about the arbitrary rules that exist in the fashion industry things like don't wear horizontal stripes don't yeah. you know if you've got this body shape you can't wear this type of clothes it's so like it's all based on trying to like look slimmer this is the thing yeah. it's so based in like trying to look slimmer yeah which if you want to do that great but it's not a rule like no. you know if I want to wear horizontal stripes which I actually am today yeah I'm like <laughs> It looks cool. great. I yeah. like it. Yeah. 
Like, it's all about what you like. But exactly. we get so stuck on, like, I have these things in my head where I can't wear a certain color of pink because it washes me out. Right. And the truth is if I like that pink and I like it on me, my body, just wear it. Yeah. yeah. But, like, it, when I started thinking about it, I was like, wow, there are some rules in the fashion industry that are just so arbitrary but it's like so arbitrary everything in life we take all of those rules and we're like okay that's just there until we start questioning it and think where did that come from and what's really going to be the outcome okay so I can't wear that thing that I really love and Mm -hmm. I just have to stare longingly at it in my closet okay like that's not a solution you know yeah I think that's yeah I think that's what this is all about what this podcast like when it really comes down to it it's all about being aware and questioning that stuff yeah. it's like is that really what I want to be doing right now is that really what I want to be feeling is that how is that going to affect me going forward yeah. and how is it affecting me right now and with the emphasis on the I like what do yeah. I want what do I yeah. want yeah. yeah what do I need you know yes and exactly. how do I get there and how do I make it happen for myself you know yeah. And if How I don't I know, be... let's try it out and exactly. be okay trying. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Okay. Well, Just that's quietly, good. I'm totes like going to be going to Rory now and be like, so should we paint your nails? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work on him. <laughs> I fully expect a report next week yes. of like what color his nails are. <laughs> I'll just actually, maybe I'll recruit Sydney and Zaley and I'll be like, yes, he can't say no nails. to them. He can't say no. <laughs> They're it. too cute. That's it. <laughs> Hilarious. So this is our last um, emotional episode, and I think our next. I'm sure ex- the, uh, there'll be more emotional episodes, oh, but of like, course, <laughs> not like on emotions. <laughs> yeah, I know it's going to be like a continuous strain. Of course, I think That's through it. everything, like what isn't. I think we keep talking about all of the stuff we're doing, and I think it's just going to continue that way. Because I mean, I that's agree. how life works, right? It's yes. not just one thing at a time. It's everything all, all the time. Oh, always, yes, <laughs> always. <laughs> So our next experiment that we're going to start talking about next week is going to be how to be like physically strong, I think, or like physically fit. I don't know how to be physical. I would think generally how to be physical, how to be active. Yeah. Or incorporating movement. I always think of like Mm. movement, but something along those lines. Yeah. Something along that whole thing. We'll come up with a snazzy. Well, given that it's self-care, I feel like, yeah, it's like, how does physicality incorporate into the self-care? Yeah. 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 Um, Because I thought, you know, the last couple ones have been very, um, like, cerebral. So I thought let's get out of our heads a little bit and out of our, like, emotional space and do something maybe a little bit more tangible. Mm, um, I like that. With the physical side. And also because I've started doing kickboxing and it's, like, the last couple weeks and it's it has like, I've had lots of transformations that I'll talk about next week. Um, but it's been awesome. And it's actually really affected other areas of my life, like the emotional side, mm-hmm. my relationship, like my confidence levels, like all this other stuff that I actually wasn't expecting it to affect mm-hmm. quite so much. Yeah. Um, I mean, I knew it would a bit, but I don't know. It's it always really surprises good. you. It always, it always surprises does. you. Yeah. yeah. I know. I yeah. go for three walks in a week and I'm like, why am I so happy? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like oh, where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then I spend like a day on the couch, barely moving. And I'm like, oh, I feel like garbage. Why? Why do I feel so bad? It's like, oh, I wonder like, hello. But that'll be an interesting like flip side to the physical experiment because mm. I think the danger of the physical side of things is like, you get so comfortable with the endorphin rush of exercise yeah. and then 
days of rest are still like a potentially a necessary thing if you decide that that's what you're gonna do but yeah. we can end up being really judgmental yeah. of the days we don't move so I yeah. think that's the flip side will be interesting to examine yeah. how we navigate that I think for me too um it, it's not even so much judgment but I have this great like this big fear that if I rest and I get out of my physical routine that I will never come back to it. You'll lose it. Yeah. yeah. Because I've never been a super uh, athletic person. Like it's mm. never been my go-to thing that I'm like, oh yeah, I've got spare time. I'm going to go run around outside and like yeah. do a bunch of exercise or I'm going to go to the gym. And that like, that has never been my go-to thing. So it's always mm. like, it's very easy for me to fall out of it and to not prioritize it in my life because I don't have that I'm much more a cerebral person like I will go and do something that stimulates my imagination or whatever over going and doing something physical like every time that's interesting though like even to say that I mean I obviously save it all for next week yeah I I know right (laughs) but I'm like maybe you can combine them maybe it's like yeah I I, want to stimulate my imagination how can I incorporate physical yeah movement into well I think that's part of why I enjoy hiking so much is because that's actually one of the times that I my mind is able to wander and I come up with lots of ideas I do a lot of brainstorming I do a lot of thinking I do a lot of planning and that kind of stuff while I'm hiking because I don't have to be thinking about what I'm physically doing because it's easy it's just walking (laughs) do you know what I learned about uh, just as a real quick side note I was watching have you ever seen that show on Netflix Netflix called explained and they like Uh, they dive deep on a topic I've seen uh, I've seen it on my feed but I haven't actually watched it yeah there's a great episode in the new season they've just released that's about the perception of time and how we perceive time. Oh. Like, when, you know how, like, time speeds up when you're excited or it yeah. slows down when whatever. And so they've been doing all these experiments and they uh, said that it's been proven that time in nature slows down time but is in a positive way. No like way. Your perception of time is actually much slower because of, I don't know, something to do with being in nature and, and being outside and stuff. So you're actually getting more life by being outside. Yeah. <laughs> or at least your perception true. of it anyway. Well, I think because there's that this quote that I love that I'm going to butcher right now, um, but it's that adopt <laughs> the that you should adopt the pace of nature that like nature is patient and you should adopt that pace of like. Just oh, being I like patient. that. And it's like. I butchered it. I'll find it somewhere and yeah, actually yeah. say it properly next week. But that's always that kind of makes me think of that where it's like, okay, yeah. nature nature is slow and there's a time for everything and there's a yes, there's a pattern to everything and a reason for everything. And I think out in life that we've created now, it's like mm. it's so unnatural. Yes. Like every cars are going fast. Like everything's moving fast. Our schedules mm. are fast. Everything's like like just not at a normal pace yes well and I think too like something else they said in this program was that uh so they had a man go down into a cave for two months with no no light and so he had to try and judge it was an experiment how to like how long the days were and it turns out his circadian rhythm took over and he was basically living a 24-hour day but what he couldn't perceive was weeks and months and so they phoned him at the two-month mark to say it's been two months. And he was like, no, it hasn't. It's been one month. And it was really interesting because he wasn't, like, counting days or anything. Yeah. But they were saying how we perceive time is in part part of how we record memory. And so the more memories we have, the more time it can feel like we've had 
experience. And so part of like, and this is, I think why I hate routine is routine makes time feel like it's passing really arbitrarily and there's no diversity in what you're seeing. Whereas I think when you're out in nature, you could walk the same path, like, especially like living in Canada, you can walk the same path every day, but it'll be snowy part of the year. It'll be like yeah, even part the, of the sun year, like, is shining differently than it was the yeah. day before or whatever yeah that's it yeah and so I think you have more memories recorded yeah which also again helps the, the year feel longer or more full yeah um it's a great episode you should go and watch it, it totally yeah, changed I my perception of like wanting to take in more experiences to help life feel longer or like yeah, yeah not that's going cool. so fast yeah mm, okay I'll try to watch that yeah. I probably won't <laughs> But everyone, I, <laughs> no, no, real. I love the idea, but let's be real. Like, I don't sit it's down very and watch, interesting. I don't watch educational TV unless Greg makes me do it. I'll tell Greg, I'll send him the link. Tell Greg. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. we'll watch it together and I'll grumble at first or I'm like, I don't want to watch this. And then I'll end up being like, that's so cool. Why don't we watch so more inspired. stuff like this? Yeah. yeah exactly. it's, it's like a pattern we've got. It's brutal. That's I do it. enjoy learning. I just, I'm watching Seinfeld right now. Yeah. On Netflix, it's great. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, so my goal for the next week um, to be physical is to continue on with my kickboxing. Um, I've been doing five days a week, so I'm going to continue on that or maybe increase it to six, but minimum is five days a week. And I'm also trying to incorporate making sure that I get out into nature with hiking, which isn't really like a physical thing, but I don't have a backyard, so I ch- can't just go sit outside and whatever. So hiking is my way to get out. So nice. Yeah. Um, for me, so I've been trying, I've been wanting to do daily walks, um, which has been a little bit challenging. I meant to buy a rain jacket on the weekend. I can't believe I've lived in Canada for five years and say, I don't own one. <laughs> how do you not have a rain jacket? You're on the because coast. I'm a homebody and I just if it's raining, I don't leave, <laughs> and then I get depressed you know it's, it's a vicious cycle okay but so I'm here gonna buy a rain jacket let me challenge you on that yeah. like what's the worst thing that can happen so you go for a walk and you get wet and then and you I come home that. and you dry <laughs> off you have a hot well, shower see, part of it right now is I can't shower very okay. regularly with my skin right but oh, okay my intention was actually two weeks ago I was going to buy a rain jacket and they I went to the store they didn't have the one I wanted anyway blah 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 okay. I'm just going to go and buy one just okay whatever just going to get one so that I can and just like commit to even a five minute walk like there's this little yeah. duck pond right near my house I could just like walk yeah. around the pond and back and I'm done yeah um and so that's what I'm hoping but also Perfect. I want to try and do like three times this week a little bit of yoga. And yeah. it can be, again, five minutes, 10 minutes, just like a couple of poses that I enjoy. Yeah. No pressure, no like, like, the thing for me is I need to make it not about some physical challenge. Like it's yeah. just about enjoyment. So that's yeah. what I'm leaning into is the yeah. enjoyment of physical Perfect. movement and listening to the body and going like, oh, I liked feeling like that. So yeah, that's what I'm doing. I think that's the key too with anything physical for me anyway is like, just starting somewhere and not putting pressure pressure on yourself to do some big huge thing I mean kickboxing is the first thing like the first time that I've really done that and committed to going every day for a period of time and it's only because I've got control of my schedule right now like I'm not working around anything else um Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a system where I go and I know exactly what I need to be doing for every minute that I'm there you know 
and you just go yes. and do it. And it's like, yeah. okay, it's easy. I don't have to overthink it or underthink it or whatever. Yeah. So that's why it's been easy for me. But yeah, normally what I do is just just do something, just do anything, even if it's mm. just like, okay, I'm going to get my yoga mat out and get dressed as if I'm doing yoga. Like, okay, that's my first step. And then the next day I'll, I'll do downward, do- like I'll do the next step or whatever. There like, cause usually when you yes. start doing something like for you, if you were starting to get out and go for even just a five minute walk, like on some days, I'm literally it putting all- my shoes on is enough. Like exactly. I, I would get out the door if I put shoes on. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes it's like some days, five minutes, or some days maybe you'll go for less of a walk and you'll just be like, I'm not feeling it. This is not happening. But there are going to be the days where you're like, hey, I'm already out here. I'm going to go a little bit farther and it'll end up being a 10 or 15 minute walk, you know? And like, that's the thing where it's like, we we have to be easy on ourselves and not try to be perfect about it. And and we've got, so I've got a whole conversation to have with you next episode about where all my hangups about exercise come from because yeah. wow like talk about I love how we like talking about we got to do a real physical challenge it's totally still intellectualizing <laughs> so all head for me <laughs> but that's but, also uh, what I was going to say when you were talking earlier about how like it's you know you're trying to get down into your body I'm like I'm yes. like now this next month we are literally you know yeah. getting down into our bodies and I do think that it will help with everything else it's like it's just getting in touch oh, with absolutely. who we are physically it, yes it changes things I think a hundred percent yeah yeah I, I just have to like the big the big work for me this this experiment will be redefining my relationship with exercise and yeah. with movement because it's been so toxic in the past but yeah I a hundred percent believe you I just have to like give myself the evidence to to prove yeah. it if that makes sense absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. But I think it's going to be, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting journey for both of us as usual. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think we will talk to you guys next week and we'll, we'll actually be doing them weekly again for the next little while anyway. (laughs) It was a a minor blip. (laughs) Totally minor. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.